Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Awesome. They're like a comedy act, Pastor Lorna, Pastor Kelly, aren't they? I mean, you should be paid. Well, you are paid, but you know what I mean, to just... To do like a comedy act, they're just so, so funny, and um, I love that, and it was the, the look on Pastor Lorne's face when um, we were talking about the dress swap. <laughs> men don't understand that at all. Like, maybe at the men's event, you could do a shirt swap. Do you think? No. It, would, it wouldn't work, would it? It wouldn't even excite you. It wouldn't be what you do, but, the, but when we had our men's event, I have to say this, we had these huge inflatables. And I felt, oh my goodness, Pastor Lorne, because the guys were like, you've got to go on this inflatable, like a bungee jump thing. And you went and did it. And you went catapulting into the air to the point where I was like, oh my goodness, we've really hurt Pastor Lorne, <laughs> the head of C3 Canada. But you survived. You survived. I know. I know. They were like, but the women in my church were very, they were like, we, we want that. Why do the men get to have all the fun? And we, we have melon and, and food, and they have bungee jump cord things. So the women's event in October, we're having massive inflatables. I'm like, because that's what they've requested. I'm like, I will not be on them, but some of the girls are up for that and ready for that. So, um, so thank you, Pastor Lorna, Pastor Kelly, for the privilege of coming here today. And it's awesome to see so many of you. This is an awesome church. And it's an awesome church because of you. And because you are all awesome people. And this is an awesome city. And I'm very naive when it comes to the rest of Canada. I've hardly left Vancouver, so forgive me. But, but Calgary is an awesome city. And, and I believe prosperity is the name that God wants to write over this city. He wants to write the name of prosperity. Because that is its future. And... Um, I have a message today, and it's kind of unusual. God, God kind of speaks to me in strange ways, my husband would say. And he started talking to me about boats. <laughs> boats, I know. It doesn't mean a lot inland in Calgary, does it? But um, unknown to you, I used to sell boats a long time ago. My first job was working in this place selling fishing boats. I didn't have a clue about fishing boats, but I just would smile and... <laughs> introduce them, read a few details, and I would sell boats. And then I moved on to selling houses, which I enjoyed much, much more, right? But, but there's a lot to do with boats in the Bible. And I began, when God said, talk about boats, I was like, that's really weird. But when I began to pray and think about it, a lot happened either in a boat or out of a boat, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to just quickly pray, and then we're going to get into the Word this morning. Thank you, God, for your amazing word that transforms our lives. God, your word comes alive as we read it with an open heart. And your word just transforms us. And it transforms how we see ourselves. And it transforms how we see other people and how we see our lives. And so I thank you this morning for your word. Bless every single beautiful person in this room right now. And speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. 
So um, I grew up in a place called Falmouth. You have probably never heard of that. If you have, I like, my goodness, you must be incredible because it's a tiny little place right down on the edge of the United Kingdom. But it is by the sea. And there's storms. And there's boats that crash on the rocks. It is pirate land. Ooh, and things like that. People talk like that. All right, my dear, OR is how they speak, where I come from. And you can go and you can see shipwrecks all along the coast. You can see um, history of shipwrecks years ago. I was telling Pastor Lorna, Pastor Kelly, there's a castle on the headland built by Henry VIII, believe it or not. And you can see relics of all these things that have happened through the years. And that word shipwreck just lodged in my spirit because... You know, you might be here today, and maybe you've even quoted that word over your life. Maybe you've even said, my life feels like a shipwreck. Well, I want to tell you, God has come this morning to change that. God has come this morning to bring you hope in that situation. You see, when you give your life to Jesus and you're in a relationship with him, your life is never a shipwreck. It might feel like it sometimes, but it never, ever is. You might feel, I'm, I'm adrift on a, on a raft, like lost at sea. But that is not the case. When you build your life on Jesus Christ, who is the rock, then you have a firm foundation. No matter what it might feel like, your life has a firm foundation. Amen? And we're going to look at some boats this morning. Are you up for that? First of all, I just want to read, and I got the scripture wrong, so I don't know if the right one will come up. It's Psalm 107, verse 28. It did. Awesome. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. That is always the best thing to do, right? Out of distress, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed, and they were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. I have had friends die in storms. I have been in my house and the windows have smashed in my bedroom in a storm. If you've really witnessed a storm, it is very loud. Like you have storms here, different than that, but you have storms and you're like, you can't sleep at night when it's a real storm. And yet when they cried out to the Lord, he stilled the storm to a whisper. They couldn't even hear it. That is the transformation, what can happen when you and me cry out to the Lord. Just love it. The first boat I want to look at is Noah. You're going to say, Noah, build an ark, Pastor Julie, not a boat, right? For the technical engineers in here, I know what you're going to say. But it, it floated, right? It floated. So it, for my purposes this morning, it's a boat, right? Are you okay with that? So um, it was a cruise liner of success. Yes. You see, the, the, the ark was put together with such precision. Like my son Nathan, who wants to be an architect, would love it. Every little bit was measured. Every little detail was thought about. God gave Noah very clear instructions on how to build that boat. And then he commanded him to get all these animals in there and all the things that they would need to be safe from the storm, right? I see that boat as the church. I see that boat as a place where sometimes 
we can't really do life because there's a storm out there. We just come into the ark, which is God's house, and we find encouragement, and we stay there, and we keep safe, and we listen to God, and we hang out with each other. You see, in the ark, there would have been lots of animals, as you know. The monkeys would have been a problem. There's monkeys in church. Elephants, giraffes, they're all in church, even snakes, they're all in church, just saying. But there would have been issues in the ark, but they had to stay in that place because that's where they were safe. Several times he looked out and thought, oh, is the storm past? No, for, for your season of where you might be right now, it is in God's house just waiting just getting encouragement, just hanging out with the monkeys, just hanging out with each other and, and learning and growing. But it was never a place to stay. You see, a boat is never a place to stay. Because what would have happened in the ark if they'd stayed in the ark? They would have lacked provision. They would have run out of food. They would have mated and there would be lots of monkeys and lots of elephants and lots of giraffes. <laughs> It would have not been big enough to contain them, right? So there was a time when they had to leave the ark and they were launched back onto dry land to go forth and multiply. If you're in that season at the moment, it's okay. You're in that season of you need support. You need encouragement. And that is perfectly fine. But there's going to come a time, and maybe that's today. I don't know. But maybe... It's today when you're going to say, it's time for me to leave the ark, st st still hang out with the right people, but I'm going to get out of this and I'm going to launch out into something and I'm going to go forth and multiply what I've learned, what I've learned to sustain in the ark. Psalm 91 says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the presence of the Lord Almighty. It's so important when God tells you, go find a boat, go in there, get encouragement, get sustenance, escape from a storm, that's the right thing to do. The second boat, which is my favorite boat of all, is Jonah's boat. Are you ready for this? I've been a Jonah many, many times, and that's okay, because God loves us, right? So Jonah was fleeing from the Lord. The omnipresent one, Stephen. The omni, omnipotent, I, I can't say it, all-powerful one. Thank you, thank you. He was fleeing from God. How many times have I tried to do that? Like, Lord, you're there, so I'll go over here, because you're not over here. <laughs> you're over there. But the Bible says that God is everywhere. But for some reason, Jonah, when he got the call from God to go to the, it says, the wicked people of Nineveh, the people that God needed to send someone to tell them about his love, to tell them that there was a better way to live, to tell them that he loved them, that there was a plan for him. He, he thought he could escape the one who was everywhere. I know, it's, when we read it, it's like it's really funny, isn't it, right? But um, it's, it's a bit like that. The Holy Spirit is everywhere now, right? And so it's weird when sometimes you can know things about what goes on in a room and you don't even have to be there, right? You can maybe know that a marriage in a home isn't good. You're not even in that home, but you can know it, right? So, so God is always everywhere. Don't ever think 
that, you know, get encouragement from that. He's not just here this morning on Sunday. And then when you leave this place and you go home to maybe a difficult situation, God is still there with you as much as he's here with you right now, right? God is always everywhere. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. In fact, we'll just do verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of his wickedness has come before me. And then it said in verse 3, he ran away from the Lord. He headed to Tarshish, went down to Joppa and found his ship and got on a boat. It said he paid a fare. He paid money to get on this boat and to run away from God. And when I read this, it reminded me of the time that I had run away from God. For two years, when I first got saved, I was saved and going on with God and doing really well. And I decided that it, God wasn't kind of working things out the way I wanted. And so I walked out of church for two years. And there is a cost to be paid when I made that decision, right? But thankfully, by the grace of God, he got me back. I would, I would walk down the street of the town I lived in, and I would see someone from the church on the other side of the road, and I would like, oh my goodness, there's someone from the church coming, and I would hide away because I wasn't in that place ready to reconnect with God. And the woman who prayed for me, just, just in case this is someone that you are praying for today that maybe used to be here and are no longer not here, don't stop praying for them. This woman, she prayed for me week in, week out. She was the one who I would hide from when I saw her walking down the street. Isn't it terrible? Um, it's good to confess your sins in church. And, and um, she said to God, I'm not going to pray for her anymore. That was the Sunday I walked back into church. She was like, almost fell to the floor when I walked back in. You're here. I said, yeah, I, I, got, I got on track. I, what was I doing? I, from then on, I was full on for God and have never looked back. So don't, don't. Stop praying for those people because it happens, right? So back, back to Jonah. He, he paid a price to go on this boat. For some reason, he thought he was safer on the boat than he was on dry land, right? The God who created the dry land also created the sea, right? But he thought, I'm going to go in a boat. I can escape. It's going to be fine. And then God, in his love and his mercy, he, he threw up a storm. Jonah tries to sleep. I think he thought, it's okay, I've done it. I'm not doing what you said, God. I'm just going to sleep here on the boat. Maybe he was planning a life somewhere. Maybe he had some dreams in his mind. So God, in his love and his mercy, he caused a huge storm to happen. That was nice of God. I know. It's like, Lord, that wasn't very nice. But, you know, God works like that. And then it grew worse. And it grew worse, and they threw stuff over the side of the boat, trying to lighten the load. And then they're like, there must be someone to blame for this storm. Married couples do that. <laughs> Me and Chris have done that. You know, a storm is raging, and we're like, it must be, it must be your fault. It must be your fault. It must be the kid's fault. It must be the mother-in-law's fault. It must be somebody's fault. You know, a storm happens, and they were like, there's got to be someone on this boat to blame for what is going on here, right? And they draw straws, and they find out that it was Jonah. You're the one. You're the one that has caused this to happen. And he tells them, throw me overboard. But they were so afraid to do that because they, all of a sudden, they were like, oh, my goodness, if we do that, then God's going to kill us because we're killing an innocent man, and we can't do that. And, but in the end, it, then the storm grew worse. You see, sometimes things grow worse 
before they get better to get us to where we need to be, right? All the time, God is in his mercy causing this to happen. And yet looking on, you'd think, just leave them alone. Let them go off sailing around the world or something. But, but so in the end, they throw Jonah into the sea. That was the best thing they could have done. Doesn't look logical. Doesn't look right. He was swallowed up and ended up in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. That was not been a pleasant experience. But good sermon writing material time, I feel. <laughs> he had a lot to think about. He had a lot to think about in the belly of the whale. And, in, you know, maybe for you, you're, you're like, I was in a storm and then I got thrown out of my job. I got thrown out of this situation and it didn't feel like God was in it. I want to tell you, God never leaves you. God never forsakes you. He may not have caused your storm, but he's, he can use it to get you to where he needs to get you. You might feel you are sat in the belly of a whale right now thinking, what have I done ending up in this position? What, how have I come to this place? When we and Chris came to Canada, it didn't work out as we planned. We found ourselves after a year of being living in a whole new country, having left everything behind with no job. I remember lying in bed one night. We didn't have the money to pay the rent, which was due the week after. It was $1,500, and we didn't have the rent. And I remember beginning to feel the anxiety of what it would feel like to be homeless. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I went to work. I had a job as a, in a minimum wage job because no one would give me a job because I had a British passport, and they probably thought I was going to go back home very soon. So I had a job in a retail store on minimum wage. Chris wasn't allowed to work because of the visa details. So we had nothing left. I went to work. There was a check there from someone I don't even know to this day who it was for $500. We went home. There was a check for $1,200 or something like that on our doorstep. We had enough money to pay the rent and tie. That kept us one week. And as this went on for three months, we would wake up in the morning and open the door and boxes of food would arrive on our doorstep, right? Such was the provision of God. And so, so don't see lack as a bad thing. Just see lack as an opportunity to throw yourself on God. Lack is an opportunity for God to do a miracle in your life. You see, if you tithe, it is the best insurance policy that you will ever have. Not your RSPs, not your pension plan, but giving to God. You don't give to the church, you give to God, as Pastor Lawn says, supernaturally. And supernaturally, he moves in people's hearts to meet the need when the time comes. So for Jonah, he finds himself in the whale, and then the whale vomits him out. I don't like vomit. I'd rather have pain than vomit. Something about vomit, it's not nice, right? But he vomits him out, and, and the rest of you probably know the story. <laughs> but um, it says they took Joe, let me find where my notes are. He vomited him out on dry land, and he went, basically, and he went and did what God told him to do, right? So, so if, I'm not saying you're Jonah, like I was, but I, I'm just saying sometimes when we avoid what God wants us to do, we can find ourselves feeling tossed around a little bit by the waves, Right? And the minute we settle in our mind to say, okay, I'll go do, then, then the, the storm just stills and we get to find the place we need to end up. The third boat is Jesus' boat of prayer. You see, often you hear of Jesus, he was like, 
bye-bye to the disciples. I'm getting in my boat. I'm going across the other side of the lake to pray. You hear about that a lot. Jesus went in a boat away on his own to pray. So important that you and me have those times when we go away or get away. It might just be the end of the garden. In England, they have a really fun expression that says, every man needs a shed. Do you have that here? No? You're looking at me like that doesn't make sense. Like a shed. Like every man needs a shed. In other words, they need to get out of the house, away from the wife and kids, to the shed at the bottom of the garden, right? Every woman needs a shed, but it's usually the same that every man needs a shed. But everybody, woman or man, needs a place where you can go and hear from God. And what I love is that Jesus did that very, very often. He would find a place to go and just hear from God. It could be you go off on your motorbike somewhere. Pastor Lorne goes to Banff or somewhere, some mountain. Your tricycle, your push bike, your legs, you just walk somewhere. That's what I do. I just walk somewhere and just be on my own. And it was so important that Jesus did that. Even at the worst time, like I said yesterday, when his friend John the Baptist has been beheaded, he, he says, I have to go away on my own and I have to just get alone with God. And it could be you're here today and you are mourning the loss of a loved one or a friendship or you're mourning the loss of a career you once had and it may not, may not look like your future is going to be that. And whatever it is, there's a sense in you of loss. The cure for that is to get in a boat or a bike or a shed somewhere alone and hear from God because he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has never left you or forsaken you. He always has a better future. The best is always yet to come. Amen? You've got to believe that. You, you, until the day we die and go to be with Jesus, the best is yet to come. Joshua 85 said, I'm as strong now as I ever was. I'm as strong as this young man right next to me in spirit and strength. I've, I gained sustenance. The older I got, the stronger spiritually I became. Right? Your future is always better than your past. The longer we have time to be in a relationship with Jesus here, the, the longer we have time to read his word and get spirit and get sustenance, the stronger we become, right? Your future of this church, of our church, is better than the past, right? So, so good, so, so good. So Jesus, he gets alone, and then he comes down, like Pastor Lorne says, and he feeds thousands of people. A miracle happened after he had been alone in a boat, I just want to say that miracles are linked to you and me being alone, hearing the voice of God. Right? We sometimes think, I need the crowd. Give me the crowd, a miracle's going to happen. <laughs> but that hasn't happened for me many times. It's been as I've just been sat in a little room with a coffee, and I've just heard God's little whisper and his little voice, and then I've gone out the next day and all of a sudden a miracle has happened. And a miracle isn't just the parting of the Red Sea and the parting of the Jordan. A miracle can be someone buying you a cup of coffee. It can be someone giving you a job opportunity. My older son needs a job at the moment. We are praying for a door of opportunity to open for him for a job, right? 
A miracle is anything that you could not have done yourself. It's, it's God connecting people that come and talk to you. It's God opening in a door that no man can shut. It's God providing provision for you in a way that you, you couldn't even imagine how that would have happened. The fourth boat is Peter's boat. That's where me and my husband have been and probably still are right this moment. This is the famous boat. This is the boat that we hear preached about so many times. Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. Am I right? Have you heard that message so many times? And we all don't like it because none of us want to do it, including myself, right? I am a safe, stay-in-the-boat type of girl. That is what I am. I swim, but I don't swim very far. I don't like deep water. I, I don't like to go out of my depth. I, I like to be safe in my boat. That is the type of person I am. So um, the disciples, they get in a boat. Jesus goes to the mountain again to pray. Such a pattern in his life. A storm, again, it says buffeted the waves. My husband would like that word. He's a word person. Buffeted the waves, it says, right? Shortly after dawn, Jesus walks on the water. This is verse 25 on the lake. And they were terrified because they thought he was a ghost. And we would have done the same, right? You are there in a boat in a storm and you see something walking on the water. You and me would think, what on earth is happening? Like as if the storm wasn't enough to, to scare me. Now there's something coming towards us out of the clouds and it looks like a ghost, right? Verse 27, Matthew 14, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 29, Lord, if, if, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the waters. Wow, what a man. And then he says, come. <laughs> How many times? Lord, if this is you that's calling me to plant this church, if this is you that is telling me to give that much money in the vision offering that we have in our church in two weeks' time. We have an annual vision offering where we, where we encourage people to step out in faith. It's our third year in a row of doing it. And this year, it's been incredible. People are already coming up to me saying, when is the vision offering? I'm ready. I'm like, wow, it's, it's the 26th of May. Awesome. But, you know, when we say those prayers, Lord, is this you telling me to do this? Yes. Come. <laughs> Gosh, he has such a sense of humor. I just love it. Then Peter, right? You know, all credit to this guy. He gets out the boat. He walks on the water and he comes towards Jesus, right? Now, I got to do this because this, this is the boat over here, right? This is me and you in the boat. Peter is over there walking on the water. It's so easy when you're in the boat to look on at him and think, what is he doing? He had the courage to get out of the boat, to respond to the call, come. It says, he climbed, I'm sorry, when, when he saw the wind, sorry, he was afraid and he began to sink. But that's okay. Jesus knows we're going to sink. He knows we're going to be afraid. He knows that we try to live our lives with our head up looking to him for everything. But he knows that we're going to look down sometimes 
and we're going to see the wind and the waves. And if you're walking on water, it's black and it's dark and there's creatures down there with eyes. And those eyes are looking at you. Jellyfish. Jellyfish down there, ready to grab you, eat you alive. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you're walking on water, right? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. My husband challenged to give up his job a few weeks ago. He's part-time, but we're still, we're still, you know, maybe you have to walk on a bit more water. We're still working that out. But when you say, I want to go part-time, and the boss in the car is, bye-bye, you're walking on water, right? So walking on water is, is kind of like, you know, you can't look down. Walking on water, people have to constantly be looking up, right? But, but if we do look down, it's okay. Because he says, he cried out to the Lord, save me. Immediately. Oh, I love this. Jesus reached out his hand. Immediately. He didn't say like, well, I think you should think a bit more, right? <laughs> when I just see your finger poking out the top, I'll come rescue you. That isn't the Jesus who loves you guys. That isn't the Jesus we worship so beautifully here this morning. That isn't the Jesus in the Bible. The minute you begin to slightly sink, he will make a way to reach out and pull you. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, come to me, come, sorry. And he said, reached out his hand immediately, sorry. He reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he says. Why did you doubt? But, you know. He knows we're going to doubt. But this morning, I want to encourage you. Put the doubt aside for whatever it is you're believing God for. He's going to rescue you. He's going to save you. He's going to get you to your desired haven. He's going to calm the storm. He's going to get you to your place of provision. You might feel you're walking on water. As Pastor Lawn says, every church is in that place because we're living a life of faith. We're living a life of trusting God for the impossible. So incredible. And the last boat is a boat of provision. They were fishermen. I grew up in the land of fishermen. My uncle was a fisherman. I used to go fishing off the rocks of the coast. Fishermen are rugged people. Not as rugged as you Cal Calgary people. You are really amazing because you live in snow and ice and extreme temperatures. But they're still, you know, they can be out on the North Sea. In a, they can be out on the waves, and they are strong guys. They had been fishing all night in their little boat of provision. They'd been looking to get some food. They had been working hard in the thing that they were skilled in, right? They weren't novice. They weren't like you and me dropping a line over the side and hoping for the best. They knew what they were doing, and yet all night they caught nothing. And then a word from God came to them and told them to cast their net on the other side of the boat. You see, I can be very skilled. I'm not, but I could be very skilled. In a, I was skilled at selling houses. I love selling houses. I did well at that. But there were times when I, I, I didn't sell houses, and I was like, Lord, I need the next person to come in that door. I need them to buy that house because I need the commission <laughs> on that house. Well, within an hour or two, someone would come in, not every week, but sometimes, and they'd come in and buy the house. You see, you might be skilled in your profession. You might know exactly what you're doing, 
But there's going to come a time when you're going to have to say, Lord, show me how to make this succeed. Show me how to get success. I, I know what I'm doing, but it's not working. And he may not have caused that, but he wants you to say, show me how I get this net full again. It is empty and I need to feed my family. Show me how I get a full net of fish. And God's going to show you. It's going to tell you where to cast it. It's going to tell you where to walk. It's going to tell you what to do. Because his, his, his vision for you is abundance. His vision for you is prosperity. Amazing. Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And I've been called according to his purpose. God is working for the, your good this morning. I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads in here as we pray this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You might have come in here today and maybe you just need to be in the ark for a while. And this is a beautiful ark to belong to. This church is a beautiful ark. East Village, beautiful church to belong to. If that's you this morning, then just commit to staying in the ark until God launches you out into your purpose. It may be that you're a Jonah, like I was, and you're like, I, I didn't realize that God was everywhere. I thought I could kind of escape him. And because you did that, there's a storm of his love and his mercy raging around your life right now. And because of that, he's, he's just wanting you to say, okay, I'll go and do what you said, Lord, and the, the storm will be ended. Maybe you need to go in that boat of prayer and just get alone with God and ask him for the keys for your next breakthrough. Maybe it's the boat of provision. And maybe you don't even know Jesus at all, which is fantastic if you are here today. And you might be like, I, I want to come into a relationship with God this morning. I want to have a relationship, with, an intimate relationship. The Bible says he's Abba Father. That means he is closer to me and you than our real parents. That's how close and intimate God wants to be with you and me. And so first of all, I want to ask you this morning, if you don't know God in any way, and you're saying that you want to come into a relationship with him this morning. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand. You won't be embarrassed. It's what you're doing and, and it, you're responding to God as your heart is beating. You're responding to God this morning. Or it may be you have been walking with God, but you've walked away and you're saying this morning, I'm coming back. And I'm coming back stronger than ever into a relationship with him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. When I became a Christian, it was because I wanted to make sure I was in heaven. I needed that peace. I needed that, that security that, that, that I was going to go to heaven. And if that's you this morning, it's awesome that you're here. I just want you to put up your hand if you're any one of those three people. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's looking. Everyone's got their eyes closed. But if that's you this morning, I want you to just lift your hand to heaven because he's going to meet you right where you are this morning. Because he's the God who sees you. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer anyway. And you may not have put your hand up yet, but you might feel like 
you're trying to, but you need a bit more courage. But I want you to pray this prayer with me anyway. We're all going to pray it together, so you're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be on your own. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me on a cross so I could come into a relationship with you, be forgiven of my past, and live a life of grace and mercy. Amen. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you may not have had the courage to put up your hand, God still hears that, right? And there's no shame in rededicating your life to God. I've done it many times. Did it two weeks ago. Felt I needed to just come to God afresh. That's a beautiful place to be. We're going to stand in here right now. Pastor Lorne's going to come up. But I, I want you to... I feel there's people in here you need provision. There's nothing worse for a man than feeling he can't provide for his family. When my husband couldn't work, I saw how it affected him. And he had to get to that place where his whole supply was on God and God alone. I want you just to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands in this place if you need a miracle of provision. Let's close our eyes because then we don't have to look at everybody that needs a miracle of provision, right? It could be me next week. It could be someone else next week, right? I love it. I love it. Lord, we thank you that you respond to your people. There's a storm at the moment for these people of lack. And we know that you are the God who calms the storm to a whisper. You calm the storm so that we don't even realize there is a storm. The storm no longer exists. You, you get rid of it. And so I pray for every single person in here. I pray for provision from heaven, miracle provision, checks on doorsteps, food left at people's houses, job opportunities coming to them that they never anticipated, doors opening into careers that they never thought they would see themselves doing, um, pathways to, to your greatness that they never knew would happen. And I believe, Lord Jesus, as we sow our seed to you, as we give even the little oil like the widow have, even as we just do what you tell us to do, it says your barns will be full. Your barns will be full to overflowing. That's what his word says. As we give, your barns will be full to overflowing. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. I'm just going to hand back. Thank you. Let's put our, just thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week. <laughs>